Welcome to Potter Revisited. You've got Tori and Shay, and this is episode two: a brief summary of child abuse. The vanishing glass. That too. I mean, I think our title. Our title is superior. I think it's more on the nose. Yeah, it's accurate. An important question before we go into our deep dive: Are you drinking a cup of tea? I am drinking a cup of tea. So am I. Tell us what kind of tea you like. It's very important. I mean, today I've just got a Tetley Orange Pico. Same. But I'm dipping Fudgios in it. Oh, that's interesting. It's yeah. During these trying times, nothing brings me the same amount of satisfaction as when you hold a Fudgio in your milk or your tea just long enough that when you eat it, it's the perfect texture that just like melts in your mouth. I'm really weird with dipping stuff in my tea. I really don't like crumbs in my tea. So it always throws me off. But sometimes I do. Anyway, back to Harry Potter. Oh, right. <laughs> so here is second chapter overview. So starting off, we're just talking a little bit about some fun facts or little things that we picked up in the chapter that we thought were interesting. I found it super interesting how they very vaguely sort of touch on some of Harry's odd occurrences in his life that are basically examples of him having done magic. But when you actually look at what they are, they're very advanced magic. Like at one point they uh, describe Harry as having disapparated, which is, I mean, a thing that he takes a while to actually learn to do later on. Yeah, so Dudley was chasing him and Harry finds himself on the school roof, which is crazy. Yeah. And it's interesting because we never, I don't think we ever really find out what other people's like magic they did before school besides like Neville that like bounced off a balcony or something but Harry seems really advanced compared to like what we think magic is. I wonder if like because it was so repressed in him it comes out less often but more extremely maybe? I remember in what is it Fantastic Beasts although I really don't like the series come at me I don't care but uh, they talk about like I can't even remember what Dumbledore's sister was. Like, Obscurial. Obscurial, that's it. So they're talking about like Harry could have been an Obscurial. Yeah. I, I don't think he's an Obscurial, but I do think that maybe, like I feel like the Weasley children, for example, probably did little bits of magic growing up all the time accidentally, like lighting little things on fire or having things float closer to them that they wanted to eat and like pulling each other's hair. I'm sure that happened because it was like a welcoming household and so it wasn't frowned upon. Didn't Fred and George turn Ron's teddy bear into like a spider? Yes. I feel like that's kind of some crazy magic. But I just feel like maybe because Harry does it less and it's so sort of repressed in him, maybe that's why he does more dramatic magic when it does sort of seep out. Mm -hmm. Oh, another one is he also changed his ugly sweater to make it too small so he didn't have to wear it, which I love. Oh yeah, and yeah, his hair, his hair grows too. Yeah. Which I love. It's inter- I feel like sweaters and hair are the kinds of things that would probably happen to normal magical children growing up. Like that's the like I really don't want this thing to fit me, or I really don't want this haircut. And somehow you make the magic happen. But I feel like actually disapparating onto the roof and then apparating onto the roof of your school is kind of extreme and very impressive. Yeah, final thing with the hair thing because James is known for having this like nice hair. And then on Pottermore back when that was a thing, I think the author said that James's dad was like a potioner and he created this sleek, easy hair potion. So he comes from this long line of like hair stuff and then it's like, no, I can't be seen with this haircut. Yeah, I guess the particularly unruly Potter hair probably is the reason someone in the Potter family felt the need to develop a hair potion. Yeah. It's so funny. The genetic thing. It is funny though, because you don't really think about Harry's money that often in the sense of what it came from. And to think that he's like the heir to a hair care line is pretty funny. Yeah, I, I always find that really amusing. So I 
But the thing is, Harry's instances of magic, is it more um, because he was how he was treated by the Dursleys, or is it because he's a Horcrux? Because I love looking back at earlier books and knowing that Harry's a Horcrux and seeing, like, was this Harry or was this the Horcrux? I mean, I think maybe the parcel tongue was Harry being a, horse, a Horcrux. I think the, the sweater getting too small and the hair growing is entirely Harry. And um, I feel like the separating is probably a hairy thing just because in that particular circumstance, a piece of Voldemort's response to being chased by bullies probably is to fight back and not to run away. I think the parcel tongue is mostly the Horrocrux thing. Yeah, it's definitely a Slytherin trait. You have an interesting point here about Harry's scar. Yeah, um, they mention in this chapter that Harry says his scar is the only thing he actually likes about his appearance. I find that super interesting because once he understands the context of it, it he hates it so much. He's... It, knowing that it's a reminder of the death of his parents but I just always wondered why he liked it so much growing up is it because of the latent feelings of magic is it because at that time it reminds him of his parents in some way even though he doesn't know why or is it because Petunia hates it it's just he starts to change how he views it when he learns about the story behind it it might be a bit of all those things I think before it's just this cool shaped scar and it's something interesting about him because he has no money, he's an orphan, he has, he has no friends, but he has this like cool scar and generally he could probably make up a cool story and like think he's 11, that's probably something interesting. Then once he learns the context and like how horrible it is, and then once he actually goes into the magical world and people are gawking at him and everyone wants to see it, it's like this burden he has to carry. So it's very interesting to see how it changes so quickly how he start he goes off that's the only thing he likes about himself and by the end of the book that's the one thing he wished he didn't have and maybe it's also the fact that he is kind of completely ignored and not seen as special at all in the muggle world beforehand like people don't talk to him because Dudley tells them not to but also he blends in and that's a thing that happens to make him unique but as soon as he enters the wizarding world he's already standing out because he's Harry Potter he's already famous he's already noticeable so he resents anything else that makes him more distinctive or brings more attention to him one thing I want to know is um we know Mrs. Fake was an insider for Dumbledore so did she ever like check in on him warn him did Dumbledore know about the Dursley's abuse did Dumbledore care yeah kind of feels like someone fell flat on that job and underperformed <laughs> like you know it doesn't seem like I mean, they actually starve him at times. The kid is not eating, and and yet, for some reason, the adults who are supposed to look out for this child, the magical adults, just completely fall flat. When you first read the series as a child, the Dursleys are mean, and you just like, they're so mean, and Dudley's so mean, and how could they do this? But when you read it as an adult, knowing how you sh should be, what childhood should be, this is abuse, like, this is dark. Isn't there wizarding social services or something? That would be essential. I think that would be great, some wizarding social services. Yeah, at the point that if Harry had tied to muggle school, would he have records? So would CPS, like, never come if his teachers see him in rags and, like, basically starve the wizards, like, intercept if Dumbledore, like, intercept or something? I? Yeah, seriously. I mean, it, it feels like all of the uh, social support that sort of should have been in place for this poor orphan child completely fell flat. It seems like people should have noticed how neglected he was and done something. I mean, obviously that would have been inconvenient for plot. Yeah, I know a lot of it's just, it's the plot, but like... Realistically, there should have been some times where someone came to the house to chat with the Dursleys about how their adopted nephew is doing and they make Harry lie or something or they pretend to treat Harry well just for that moment or something but I mean maybe that happened and it just never got covered but it definitely as an adult looking at it as abuse rather than just people being mean 
there's definitely a lack of uh, anyone looking out for this child. Which is sad. I also think that as a kid, I didn't know the difference between Dudley being really, really mean to Harry and Vernon and Petunia being really, really mean to Harry. Because as a kid, you don't think about that. Like, Dudley's a bad person and he's not nice, but he's also, like, a child. Yeah. And he's not. So, like, he's mean and it's bad, but he doesn't really know better. But with the parents, they're grown adults who should not be abusing children. Like, it's it's shocking to look back and remember how I didn't really see the difference between the two types of people being mean to Harry as a child. And now I'm like, wow, like, it sucks to have your sibling be mean to you, but it sucks even more to actually be starved by your, like, guardians. Yeah, it kind of, like, it's one of those dark things that you, like, when you read the series, you're like, oh, this is, like... This is real life. This is this is dark. This isn't like fun times anymore. Yeah, it's very much that Harry is he's Cinderella and Dudley is both of the evil stepsisters. Yeah, at once. I was just wondering because Harry always wishes he had like a secret relative. Didn't James and Lily have a will? We know Sirius was the Godfather, so I love the idea of Sirius just like if he hadn't gone to jail or stuff. Imagine Harry raised by Sirius. What an image. Yeah, or even anyone at all besides just the Dursleys. Like, it seems weird to me that the only person we know who really checked in on Harry was Miss Fig. And that's because Dumbledore asked her to. Like, where is Remus Lupin? Yeah, I said, like, why couldn't Remus take him? Maybe because he's a werewolf. Maybe they wouldn't let him. But I just feel like Dumbledore just didn't let anyone do it. And his excuses were really, like, vague. There's like, why can't he live with the wizarding family? Like, anyone would be happy to raise him. And he's like, oh, because the fame will go to his head too much. And I'm like, if he's raised by a decent family, I highly doubt it would go to his head. Or even if Dumbledore was 100% certain he was leaving Harry with the Dursleys because of blood magic and all that, maybe he could have allowed people to visit and be a part of Harry's life. Yeah, the whole thing is, like, they had to live in the house that Petunia lived in because she's the blood relative. So, like, why couldn't they just magic, like, a separate apartment that Harry's raised in? Like, he's raised by his, um, by, like, Remus or someone. Or someone he knows. Yeah, or at bare minimum, have them come and visit every once in a while yeah. to check in on Harry and make sure he's okay. Like, Remus doesn't tell Harry about magic because Dumbledore wouldn't want him to, but he just shows up and is a friend of Harry's parents who shows up once in a while and takes Harry out to a movie or dinner and acts like a normal person but is there emotionally to support Harry on occasion so he knows he's deserving of love. Yeah, like like this, his uncle or whatever, like, didn't have to do too much into it but like at this point Dumbledore doesn't really see Harry as like this person this being because he's what like Sama's baby dropped him off I'm like okay see you when you're older and then he's like all surprised like oh wow the Dursleys didn't let him go to Hogwarts what this wasn't a part of my plan and I'm like oh no what do you mean this thing that I sort of put away for 11 years and completely forgot about hasn't completely turned out the way I want it without any input from me or any work towards it reaching this end goal I don't understand he didn't think it through yeah, and Half-Blood Prince, he's, like, all this disappointed in the Dursleys, but I'm like, did you really expect them to raise Harry like a son? Like, what, what, what did you think was going to happen? It's always, I don't know how so many, like, why Dumbledore moments, like, reading the series. He's always supposed to be the smartest man in, like, the Wizarding World, but, like, he doesn't think things through, and she's just, like, if things don't go the way he thinks, it's like, well, I didn't think, think about that. That's just common sense. Yeah, he seems incredibly book smart and maybe not the most smart in social things. Yeah, maybe he's so, like, he just kind of repressed emotions and stuff after his, like, family died and then he doesn't think, like, with human emotions, he just thinks logically. Yeah, he can't imagine. Like, I leave a baby with people to raise it, it will, it will grow up normal. Yeah. Like, those parents are abusive, so it doesn't grow up normal. Shocking. 
Shocking. All right, so let's uh, leave Dumbledore back there, and we'll do um, a d- Dursley deep dive. Yikes. <laughs> Dursley deep dive is a mouthful to say. <laughs> yeah. I love to, uh, like, once we go through, like, all the books and stuff, to do um, deep dives on, like, other characters, but, like, maybe a more in-depth one of the Dursleys. Yeah. But we'll just do, like, a... A mini deep dive. A mid-level dive. There's a lot to dive into, but... I was wondering what the psychological effects of Harry being raised by the Dursleys were. Oh, gosh. I mean, he probably had huge self-esteem issues because he was treated like an absolute inconvenience. So he didn't have any, probably, faith in himself or belief in himself. He probably didn't think of himself as deserving of love or respect because he'd never received any. I mean, he's not even allowed to have... Is this you pulling out your uh, psychology degree? (laughs) Oh, my useless BA that I keep, yeah, somewhere under my coffee table with my coloring books. (laughs) I also think he's probably got huge social deficits because the Dursleys don't show him how to properly act and Dudley sort of intimidates the kids at school from being friends with Harry. So he probably should be much more socially delayed than he is just from not having a lot of positive social interactions. He sort of learns about friendship really quick considering other psychological effects. I mean, there's probably a lot of learned helplessness because there's nothing Harry can do during his childhood to change his circumstances. No one's out there looking for him as far as he knows. No one cares how the Dursleys treat him. It's a miracle that he's, like, composed the way he is. I mean... Dumbledore got off lucky. He could have been, like, this wreck of a person. Yeah, seriously. Got really lucky. You had an interesting point about uh, Willie's uh, parents. Well, yeah, just uh, a little bit of questions about the Evanses as a family, I guess. Because they raised two very, very different daughters. So I guess part of my questioning is whether or not maybe Petunia sees Dudley as a reflection of herself and then she sees Harry as a reflection of Lily. So because she felt like her parents loved Lily more and treated Lily better and Lily was so special, she tries to treat Harry the way she saw herself as having been treated and then to sort of like get revenge in that way and then to compensate for the way she remembers having felt, she's extra great to Dudley, which is why Dudley can do no wrong to her. He's just this perfect, flawless child who, even when he's an absolute monster, is perfect in her eyes. It's just like, maybe she was trying to take out revenge on her parents for how they treated her and her sister, but also, in a way, protect her son, who she loves, from ever having to feel the way she felt. You definitely get, when we see the flashbacks when Lily and Patini were growing up, that when Lily got into Hogwarts, like, her parents were really excited, and they they probably, if they live in a quaint subdivision, something so crazy... And that Petunia wanted to feel that special too, so she wanted to go to Hogwarts, but when she couldn't, she just resented Lily for it, and we're assuming that, like, over the years of Lily doing all this, like, magical stuff, and her parents maybe, Petunia lives with her, that her parents year-round, assuming she doesn't go to her own boarding school, things are probably still all about Lily, and Lily's sending letters back, and look what Lily's doing, and then Petunia, you know, assuming did everything right, she, she worked as a typist, I think, was what her her background story was in Pottermore and she married young and she had this son and she did everything like normal and typical and it's still all about Lily. It's interesting though because we don't really know that. Like we get a little bit of flashbacks so that we know they were really excited Lily got into Hogwarts but we really only ever get Petunia's opinion on what her parents were like and how they treated her and there's a real possibility that they treated both their children the same but Petunia just internalized it and saw it as a huge degree of favoritism right because as parents who have one of their child children go away to school for most of the year the fact that they have the other child at home 
even though that if they miss the other child, if anything, they're going to be more involved in the child that that's at home's life. They're going to be more loving because they can't, you know, hug their other child goodnight every night, but at least this one is there. So even if they did have some degree of favoritism, I feel like it's not like she was grotesquely neglected or anything. And I feel like it's hard to know really what they were like because maybe they were awful to her and they really favoritized Lily, but... I feel like it's more Petunia just internalizing stuff because we know that she doesn't really talk about that stuff. So I feel like when Lily left, it was like a betrayal to her because her sister left her for something she thought was better. And then it's like everyone but her thought it was super cool. So everyone's always talking about Lily this, Lily that. And she's just like, once she was basically not allowed into that world with her sister, she's like, well, the whole thing is like bad. And I don't want any part of it. And it's just like the resentment, like just um, growing over time until she's like this 30-something woman who's bullying a child. The other things that are interesting about it is that Lily spent less time with her parents and turned out lovely, and Petunia clearly spent more time being raised by them and turned out how she turned out. So again, we don't really know what the Evanses were like. I mean, maybe they were more like Petunia than we think, and we just credit them with being absolutely fantastic and delightful because Lily was. But we never really hear Lily talk about her, and we know Lily spent more time at school than at home. So it's just interesting how... Like, they're sort of an enigma. You learn a lot about the Potters, but you never really learn much about the Evanses. I think for plot's sake, they were all killed off, so Harry had no other relatives. So who knows what happens. It's like, this is kind of the stuff I like. There's kind of, like, open-ended things, so you can kind of make your own ideas what happens, which kind of, I kind of like that in the Harry Potter universe before the author started, like, saying all this random stuff about it making up backstory yeah because i'm like i have my own backstory and it's better than yours so i'm gonna stick with mine yeah i feel like uh the adventures in retconning are not a positive addition to the series no so i just forget about that and i'll stick to my own headcanons yeah i think there are very few things that were added in after that made the story better there's a few things on the original Pottermore like when it first came out that I was like oh that's actually really cool and then I mean I loved the stuff on wand lore and stuff you know what I mean like oh cool this is the type of wands this is the creatures this is yeah all that stuff was interesting that's fun and great but like changing things like I think it's great if Dumbledore's gay but she didn't write anything about him being gay and I'm like well like that's great he could be and that's lovely but like put it put it in the books you know, you don't have to be blatantly obvious, but if he is, there, let him be. Like, let him actually live his life a little. Like, I don't know. It bothers me. I'm like, write your characters the way they are. Don't change your mind later and decide that they're, you know, like just, you were not very inclusive when you originally wrote the books, Mrs. Author, and don't backpedal and pretend. <laughs> Alright, did we think that Petunia told Vernon about the magic before or after Harry arrived? Tough. I feel like she probably either never told him until she absolutely had to, so when Harry showed up and started doing magical things, because she was probably too ashamed and knew a normal person like him would be turned off by that and maybe not want to marry her. I mean, maybe she got drunk once on, like, Sherry and told him. I don't know. I feel like she wouldn't intentionally tell him until she absolutely had to. I feel like she might have told him about Lily and she was like yeah she's a witch but 
we don't have anything to do with her. So it's like, we're going to stay away from her, like, side of the family. But then, so he's like, okay, like, that's the weird, that's the bad side of the family. But then Harry just ended up with them. So then that's why he's all kind of like, we're going to stamp it out of him. We're going to make him normal. I think it was something along the lines of, I feel like Petunia probably talked about Lily, but very vaguely to Vernon. Like, it was probably like, I have a sister. She has, like, she probably made it sound like she her, his, her sister had a disease or something, you know? Like, I have a sister. She's not exactly well. She's not exactly stable. My parents sent her away to a different school when we were younger. Uh, she hangs out with very shady characters. So it probably sounded like her sister was, like, unstable mentally or some kind of crime-committing fiend or something the way she described it but probably incredibly vaguely and not involving the words magic or witch yeah well whenever petunia like uh like in later books when she says things about her sister like Vernon, even in the last chapter he doesn't even want to bring up her sister because when she talks to her sister it's like that's like the one thing that you're not allowed to bring up to her because she puts her foot down because usually it's her kind of siding with him and everything but you bring up like lily it's like no and he gets all like flustered, like, oh, but you're a sister. And she's like, no, we don't talk about that. That's her like one thing that she won't stand for. If you were to create a scale, like ranking all of the villains in Harry Potter, where would you put each of the Dursleys? I think it just depends because like it's how much time he spends with them too. Like in the first couple ones when he has to go back like all the time, they're pretty high. But in the later books, he's kind of like, he just kind of pops in and it's like, okay, go in her arms, bye. I feel like... For me, they're definitely worse than whatever degree of villain we think Snape is. Just because Snape was a dick to Harry, but he never starved him. And I would say they're worse than Draco. At least Vernon and Petunia are worse than Draco because they're grown-ups. <laughs> they're adults and Draco's just a rude, cruel, mean child. But I would say they're less cruel than the people that, like, murder people. <laughs> like, um, Bridge. Oh, she didn't, like, murder anyone. But, but she murdered my heart. Yeah, they're pretty high up there. But I still feel like they're jerks. <laughs> they're, they're like they're not they're not killing people, but they certainly honestly had less impact on Harry than they probably should have as a human being. Like in the earlier books, you should see a lot more issues within Harry besides just not expecting Christmas presents from having been raised by them. But because they kind of immediately stop showing the effects of the Dursley on Harry when he gets to Hogwarts most of the time, it's easier to sort of minimize what they did to him because what should be shown in his daily life and characteristics away from them, like the scars of being their ward, should be more noticeable. They're just not there. So it makes it easier to sort of forget how terrible they were. All right, jumping into our next uh, <clears throat> segment, we had this theory that um, the Dursleys are miserable to Harry because of the Horcrux. Oh yeah, that's, a, I mean, it's interesting. I sort of have some arguments for and some arguments against. I would say arguments for them being cruel to him specifically because of the horror crooks would be that muggles could probably be more sensitive to horror crooks than wizards because they don't have any sort of magical buildup or protection around them. So they could be more sensitive to like the emotional implications of a horror crooks. We do know that when Dudley was attacked by the Dementor, it like really affected him. So I can assume it's kind of like that. Yeah. And then we also sort of have like the comparison of like how Ron reacted when he had the locket around him for a few hours compared to how the Dursleys act having had Harry for years. So like clearly there are big emotional tolls that the Horcruxes play. And there's the fact that the Dursleys sort of had non-stop contact with Harry 
for like 11 years. Yeah, literally. The only time they didn't have Harry was on Dudley's birthday is when he went to Mrs. Figg's. So like it makes sense exposure wise that it would have an impact on them. But I feel like for me, there's probably more arguments against that being a sig- one of the more significant factors in why they treat Harry the way they do and why they are that way. I mean, I feel like Harry has less horror crooks in him than the locket and the diary did. So it wouldn't really explain the abuse just because he was, if Voldemort ripped his soul in half every time, Harry being the last horror crooks is like a small fraction of a percent horror crooks and a lot more percent Harry. <laughs> Um, I also feel like they were cruel to him when he wasn't even there. Like, when he was away from them at Hogwarts, they would send him awful Christmas presents and stuff. And if they weren't just terrible people, they might just not send him presents. But intentionally sending him something awful is a next-level petty. Uh, you also don't really notice any change in their disposition when he starts being gone for almost an entire school year every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, also the fact that in Dudley, they reward those traits and characteristics like being cruel being mean being selfish beating on harry and i feel like if they just mistreated harry because he was a horror crooks they wouldn't also actively support those sort of behaviors in general like they wouldn't encourage them they also didn't consent to raising this child really like petunia got threatened into it and she felt like her parents favoritized lily so i feel like there's a lot of like personal reasons not justifiable but why lily would dislike harry yeah, there's probably a lot of personal re resentment of her having to, like, di like, she finally escaped Lily and didn't have to, like, associate with her anymore, and she's stuck raising Lily's kid that she never really agreed to. Yeah, that's, I mean, so I think if the Horrocrooks had any impact on how they treated Harry, it was very, very small, and probably not, the lack of Horrocrooks probably wouldn't change much about how they treated him. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed when Harry was faced with the snake is that it seemed like he was reading his mind, so I wonder if that's more of a sign he's a horcrux, since Voldemort's known to be able to read minds, like he's probably like the best one besides Snape, as we find out. Oh yeah, with the snake. I always felt like that he probably actually spoke partial tongue and the snake spoke, probably was like hissing at him in, in Snake, and the, just the way the movie showed it made it seem kind of like it was a mind reading thing. But I feel like it was probably an out loud thing, like, and that means things to Harry because he speaks that. Yeah, it's also very interesting that Harry wasn't freaked out by it. Because I think if I was like this level old kid and the snake was like, I could understand a snake, I'd be like, what the fuck? But Harry's like so deprived for like human interaction. He's like, a snake's talking to me. Oh my god, I have a friend. I mean, Harry's a little old for it, but really young kids often don't have enough understanding of the world to, like, know what constitutes as normal and what doesn't. So, like, a stranger talking to them if they've never met isn't almost any weirder to them than if a dog or a snake were to talk to them. And normally that sort of stuff is more common in really, really small children who just don't have enough understanding of the world to, like, know what constitutes as normal. But if Harry's had really limited social interaction, maybe he's just come to a place where he's like, I don't know anything and I will just accept whatever is put in front of me as being what is normal. Like, he knows it's weird, but he's just, he's just so, like, deprived of, like, just general, like, interesting things happening to him or, like, just someone else to talk to that he's like, I'm going to look past this and talk to a snake. And also, I mean, I guess he relates to the snake and the being in confinement yeah. and stuff. So I guess he's kind of like, a friend, finally. Yeah. 
Poor Harry. Having to talk to a snake. Yeah. You know, snakes are particularly loquacious if you get to know them. It's been a while since we wrote this, but I was like, there's a potential HBO to Harry Potter TV show. Yeah, have you been hearing about that? I mean, I'm just not into any Harry Potter on things anyway, just because of the author and her potential involvement, and I'm, like, over it. Yeah. Because we had Fantastic Beasts, we had Cursed Child, because I'm having a good track record, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not buying into anything. It's It That Shall Not Be Named. We don't call it by its title. You know, that that book. We, the introduction to retconning. <laughs> it's... It never happened. But if we did actually care about what it would be about, and if we actually thought it would be good, like, what would you want it to be about? I mean, there's, like, a lot of really interesting options. They could redo it in that, like, do the movies, like, over, sort of, but with more detail. Yeah, kind of what they're doing with uh, Percy Jackson. It's going to be um, a TV show instead of a movie on Disney+, Plus. which, like, I think I read the first book, so I feel like Harry Potter could have been really cool if it was, like, done, like, like, each chapter would be, like, an episode. I think Harry Potter would be really cool if it was animated. Oh, animated, like, the original Hobbit, when it was animated. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I just, I love, I worked in animation, so I just love, everything should be animated. That's heartwarming. I feel like the thing I would want the least, probably, is a remake of Harry Potter with those characters just recasting it and done as a TV show, just because... I, it's too personal to me, and I don't want them to ruin it. I also feel like there hasn't been enough time. Like, I know generally in TV, there's this big, there's been this big, like, revival of, like, reboots of shows, and I'm kind of over it now, because the reboots are usually never good anyway, and they don't add anything new to it. I feel like there's no point in redoing something that was done, I mean, the movies aren't perfect, but they were done pretty well. There's no point in redoing them until... And they weren't done that long ago. Like, maybe if it was, like, a hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like... Redo it, because technology's probably improved. But, like, they were, they just, the last movie came out in, like, 2011. That's, like, only a few years ago. If technology hasn't changed so much that it physically hurts to watch the, like, CGI in the movies, then it probably can be left alone. I mean, they haven't remade the old Star Wars movies, and they still stand up. I think the thing that would be most interesting to have is a Marauder series. Like, I think that's probably... I think everyone wants a Marauder series, but now no one wants it anymore because they don't trust the author. The Marauders are probably, like, the biggest, like, fan, like, loved, like, era of Harry Potter. It's kind of like the fans get them more than the author does. Like, I would yeah. rather hear the have a fan-made, like short film about the marauders i've watched so many fan films about the marauders yeah there's some youtube ones that are amazing i would rather have that than have the author sort of ruin them because they matter too much to me sort of i have too many opinions everyone really has so many great headcanons and like their own personal ideas of like how the marauders were and there's so many great fan films and like fan fictions and stuff and i feel like once the author does it it's gonna just like she doesn't i feel like the fans like the get the characters more than the author we like our head cannons more than we'll like anything she could ever write about them at this point I yeah think. and i just feel like it would be ruined yeah i also know that they're just massacre snape as a character and i will not stand for it um i think the thing i would least care about would be harry's children like i don't care yeah, I remember when the book that Shall Name came out, it was like, it's a prequel about Harry's life at the Dursleys. I'm like, okay, that's kind of boring, but okay. Then it was like, it's not a sequel, but it's about Harry's kids. And I'm like, I don't care about Harry's kids. Yeah, I just don't care. No offense or anything. 
like life is probably fine for them but I'm like nothing's interesting is happening with his kids no offense or anything like I would be fine with it in the sense that like if they decide they want to write books about Harry's kids or have shows about Harry's kids that are for another generation like not for us because we already grew up with Harry but if they're like okay there's a new generation of kids being born who we would like to have grow up with the wizarding world and grow up and age with these characters like it's good for them and I think that's nice because I loved aging with the characters but it's not for me like I don't care about Harry's children yeah I know I, I don't care about Harry's kids no offense or anything <laughs> What else would be an interesting option? I think it'd be fun to do the books from, like, Neville's perspective. Oh, God. I watched a really great Neville-inspired uh, fan film that's about, like, what happened to his parents and everything. I should link it when we post this in the description, because it was amazing. I watched one about, um, I think it's called The Sisters Black, about Narcissa and Andromedia and uh, Bellatrix. That's on YouTube, and it's great. It's awesome. Yep, so many great fan films. We don't even need HBO. The girl who plays Bellatrix plays Bellatrix so well. I'm jealous. I'm angry that that girl could do it so well. But, um, I would, that would be interesting though. Like Neville. Neville would be interesting. I would probably watch. Yeah. I think the one you have here is the founders. I like the founders story and like how like they all start the school together and then Slytherin kind of like how he leaves and everything. Yeah, I think that's the one I would most want because the Marauders I care too much about and I know they'll disappoint me. But I'm interested enough in the founders that I would watch it, but not so invested in the founders that my heart would be broken if they knew to. I feel like there's too many emotions that are like dissolved like around the Marauders because everyone kind of has like their own idea of how it should be but their founders could be interesting i feel like hbo could actually do really cool kind of like game of thrones-esque like uh founders version because everyone like knows the founders but no one really cares that much at least no one that i know i would love to see them try because like as a slytherin who knows salazar was a dick uh it would be interesting to see them try and like show you how salazar slytherin sort of became the way he is and like not justify the things he did because he was an asshole who put a giant snake in the basement but like it would be interesting to show some of the i don't know the backstory towards why he became so against muggleborns and muggles like it'd be cool to see history of like what happens when muggles find out about magic and why he might have been afraid that letting in the children of muggles to hogwarts would risk the safety of the children you know and they always say that hatred comes from fear so there's probably fear to fear in there somewhere yeah it would be it would be nice to see more of that just because you know i wouldn't want it to be like these are the good guys of rowena and godric and then this is the bad guy in the entire series salazar yeah because the thing is that they always forget is that he they was close to them and it's because like they had a falling out that's why it was so like upsetting it's kind of like when people kind of disregard Peter as the Marauders because I remember reading fanfics where he's like already evil and I'm like he didn't become evil in quotations until like after school but like the reason it's so heartbreaking that he was the, the one that betrayed them was because he was their friend like they were friends for years and like they trusted him with his life and he betrayed them that's why it's so sad. Yeah I'd like to see a founder series that makes you feel the pain when the friendships of the founders fall apart i would like that and also i feel like the hufflepuffs of the world deserve to see helga hufflepuff being awesome <laughs> you know give the give the hufflepuffs that i mean fantastic beast kind of gave us that but then fantastic beast went down the toilet so 
We need, like, someone new. I mean, the first movie was cute. Like, I feel like my boyfriend, who I just recently made watch all the Harry Potter movies, would enjoy that movie because it's, like, goofy, lighthearted, and there's fun monster creatures, and, like, he would love it. The second Fantastic Beasts movie is not a movie. I didn't even watch it, so... <laughs> there's no consistent plot. There's no beginning, middle, and end. It's a just a... Like, the entire film is leading up to a reveal, and then they're like, actually, that's not what it is. Yeah, I remember I went to see the first movie in, like, at the minute release because I was just happy to have, like, something to go to and be excited about. And, yeah, it was a cute movie. Not exactly what I thought. I just thought it was going to be about cute, like, creatures and going around the world. And I liked that they had the Grindelwald stir underneath and all of that. But then when I saw all the, like, the reviews for the second movie, I was like, I'm not seeing this. I think the first movie was fine, and they could have made a couple more movies like that, where the main character is Newt Scamander, who's interesting, who's likable, I love Eddie Redmayne, and he's just a cute, fun character. You know, like, I know people who love that character, and it's a cute franchise. But they decided partway through that, like, they don't want to make a Fantastic Beats movie, they want to grab Harry Potter and touch it with slimy, grubby hands, and poke at it. I thought the whole idea was it was kind of like it was in the Harry Potter universe but it wasn't anything to do with Harry Potter which I liked. It was far enough away right it's like the closest relation is that like okay we know that they read his books in school like Newt Scamander's book and we know that like his great great grandson marries Luna or something. We know he yeah we know he went to Hogwarts. <laughs> like that was it and that was fine because it didn't touch Harry Potter too much but it gave us more of that world. And now they're like, but also, it's not actually a story about Newt Scamander and his Fantastic Beasts. It's actually all about Dumbledore. I like the idea if Dumbledore was, like, in the background, it was, like, it was, like, during, like, Grindelwald's, like, reign, but, like, in the background, but it was more about Newt, but then they brought it out into the open, and I was like, and then they were just retconning people's ages for just, like, just for cameos that made no sense. Friggin' Minerva McGonagall just existing way before she should. She wasn't even born! <laughs> She wasn't oh even born. I love the theory that, like, people are like, maybe it's her mother or her grandmother. But it's like, no, because their name wouldn't be McGonagall, because McGonagall's the name she gets from her father's side of the family, which are muggles. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's terrible. It's just, all, like, it does, it's bad. Don't do that. That's not fan service. That's being an idiot. We kind of went on a tangent, but we have so many feelings. We should probably do, like, an episode just about the downfall of all these, like, Harry Potter side projects. So you, as a person who works in TV and media, what behind-the-scenes role would you want if they were to offer you any role on that show? Ooh. Definitely like to be, like you said, you wanted to do while making the script, so being a script coordinator. Yeah, I want to be the on-set accuracy nerd. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be like, actually, that character is left-handed. Sort yourself out. <laughs> like, that's what I want. Um, what about... In front of the camera, if you had to, assuming you liked acting, if you had to play a character or some of the characters, like, who would you be interested in? What would be fun for you? In another universe, if I could act, I think playing a villain would be fun. I always find that, like, people that play villains say that that's, like, the most fun. Yeah. Because you'd just be crazy for, like, no reason. I feel like playing Ginny would be fun because they did her such a disservice in the movies um, even though the actress was lovely and great, they just didn't write her well, they didn't... Yeah, I feel bad for Bonnie Wright, because I feel like she gets a lot of hate from people just, like, because we know that Bonnie and Dan didn't have any chemistry, and, like, the way they wrote Harry and Ginny was also really weird. One day we're gonna have to have a whole episode about why the 
Half-Blood Prince movie is the worst movie ever. Yeah. So being Ginny would be fun because she deserves to be a badass. It would be fun to play that. Uh, being Luna would be fun for me just because I'm a weirdo and she's kind of weird. Uh, my boyfriend's grandmother once told uh, one of the other girlfriends that she reminded her of a Greek goddess and then turned to me and said, I remind her of Luna Lovegood. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Highest compliment. <laughs> Thank you. I'm flattered. But I would also love to play Bellatrix. I mean, the descent into madness would be so fun. The crazy hair, the playing a villain. Amazing. Yeah, Bellatrix seems like it'd be fun. Uh, or just like a background nice Slytherin. Like just that one Slytherin that's like, I'm going to stay at the Battle of Hogwarts and help out the good guys because I'm ambitious and I'm cunning, but I'm not an asshole. <laughs> like, that would be good. Also, probably my number one. I'd like to play the CGI version of the Hungarian Horntail, just like Benedict Cumberbatch played Smaug. Oh, God. In uh, the Hobbit movies. Just like the green dots on my face crawling along the floor. One more question would be, in any HBO Harry Potter series, who are some actors that you would like to see cast in it or roles you think particular actors could play? For me, I want Natalie Dormer as anyone. She's British and I love her. Like, I just love her. She's always great in period films. She has this, like, she's clever and brilliant, and she has this little smile, like she could kill a thousand men at once, and I love her. Uh, I don't really care what role they would put her in. She could play a young Minerva, because it would be fun. She could play a young Narcissa, because she has a look for that. She could play a young Rowena Ravenclaw. That would be fine. I would also love to see Tom Felton in the Harry Potter world again, because... He's great. I think him and Dad, Dan Rudd said that they would love, if the Harry Potter was rebooted, they'd love to go in it as, like, an older version. Like, they'd play, but they said that Dan wanted to play, like, a villain this time, and then Tom would play, like, a hero this time. I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah, I think it was Dan as Snape and Tom as Dumbledore. Yeah, that'd be funny. But I feel like Tom Felton could play Lucius Malfoy, like a young Lucy, just because the fun of it. But also anything, like, he just seems great. And then also I love Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, she's amazing. She's got a great accent. She's a great actress. She could play a Ravenclaw or anyone. I would just enjoy that. How dare they leave her out of this franchise? This, fran this franchise has so many great actors, so it's like, I love to see, like, reboots when they're actually good, because I generally hate reboots. When they're, it's good when, like, original actors come back to play, like, little cameos or just to play someone. It's always, like, a nod to it, but reboots are only good when they're, like, they do something different. It would be fun to have casual cameos of some of the real big Harry Potter cast. That would be great. But, like, super casual. Like, sipping a tea in the background. Yeah, like, I have, like, um, Maggie Smith just sipping tea in the background. Just casual, you know. But, like, in a way such that if they look like their characters, they would exist at that time. Like, canonically, they make sense. Or they're so costumed up that you wouldn't think of them as being the same character. Like, I don't want to see McGonagall looking like McGonagall in the background of, like, Harry's great-grandson's Yule Ball. <laughs> like, I don't want that. Nobody, nobody wants that. Yeah, no. Well, I think that's all for us today. Bye. Have a nice afternoon, evening, and or morning. Drink some tea. Don't watch Fantastic Beasts. It's just not good. <laughs> We will be back again to discuss chapter three of Philosopher's Stone, Letters from No One. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or would like to share your thoughts or theories on future chapters of Philosopher's Stone with us, feel free to email us at podrevisitedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us across social media at podrevisited. 
Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Bye!